Welcome back, welcome back. We are super excited to be back. Thanks for tuning in to Comics for All. On this episode, it's really amazing. We actually get to talk to Brock Heasley and the new worldwide, nationwide release of Super Vogies Trade Volume 1. Uh, Super Fogies, as you know, uh, if you've listened to the show, is something that's super special to us here at Comics for All. We all are just really big fans of it, and the creator himself, Brock Heasley. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's a phenomenal one. We get to sit down, chat with Brock. He just is amazing. So much fun to pick his brain and talk to him all about these characters, this book, and things it's kind of meant to him over the years. So we hope you enjoy the episode. Don't forget to go and follow Brock on all of his social media. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, also, go and follow Super Fogies, Third World Studios to see where you can pick up this new volume one. It is fantastic. It is gorgeous. And it, there's just something special about having it in your hands right there in front of you. So go and find it. You can even get it on Comixology right now. So they're even doing a big uh, digital release with that. So it's really, really cool. But more than anything, you get all of your favorite issues, uh, all your favorite comics of Super Fogies in one big, beautiful volume right now. Um, And hopefully it does really well so we can get volume two out. So Go find it. Um, Brock even drops that it's at Target.com. I mean, it's just amazing how big this release is. So go help support an amazing creator, an amazing team, an amazing book. And uh, enjoy the episode, man. Let's start this button. And with that being said, uh, welcome into Comics for All, everybody. We have a really cool episode, uh, a throwback episode, or whatever you want to call it uh, for me. It's just amazing to always sit down with people I enjoy, people I respect, and uh, people who are mutual fans. I know we're huge fans of his, and, and he's come on and, and joined us and been a fan of ours as well. Um, but welcome back to the show, Mr. Brock Heasley. Uh, round of applause. Give it out there, everybody in your cars. Uh, you know, Be safe, obviously, but big round of applause for Brock. Uh, he's back. He's here to talk more Super Fogies with us. Uh, welcome in, Brock. How you doing, man? Hey, good. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Dude, uh, we're so excited to have you back on. I know uh, when we first dropped it into our conversations of, hey, Brock wants to come back on the show and talk to us about Super Fogies, I was like, uh, yeah, you just told him yes, right? Like, we didn't have to have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are always good to me. Oh, dude. It's just, you're you're so much fun, man. You're a great person. Uh, you're a great dad. Uh, you're fun to follow on all your social medias, your blogs, your books. Uh, you're you're just somebody that we enjoy being around and, and knowing um, just be purely because you're just a great guy, Brock. So thanks for coming on the show, man. We're excited to have you and excited to talk to you more about things you got going on in your life, man. So thanks for coming on. Let's do it. Awesome. Um, and joining us on this wonderful, wonderful interview is the ever talented in a new home, a new space, Marley. What's up, Marley? Ah, I'm... Uh... <laughs> I have tea, I have air conditioning, I'm avoiding the humidity, and I'm loving it. Nice. Let's talk super fogies. Good. Yes, avoid that humidity, <laughs> and let's talk super fogies. So, uh, if you guys don't know, Super Vogies uh, is an amazing comic uh, that actually started as a web series back in the day. Um, but what's been great about it is it's actually had funding to get into a trade back. Uh, everybody here on the show has got their copies. We're huge fans of it. And Brock is actually on because it is now going to release to public. So we wanted to kind of talk about that and hopefully get you guys excited to go and pick up a copy, man, because it just is phenomenal. So, uh, Brock, tell us a little bit about uh, the project, where it's at, and when can we start picking it off the shelves, man? 
Yeah, so the Super Fogies, uh, for those that are not familiar with it, is about uh, an old, older superheroes and supervillains all living together in a retirement home, which sounds completely ridiculous and stupid, and was and definitely sounded stupid to me the first time I heard the idea. It was it was from a friend who just was like, "You should do a comic about blah 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 blah,", blah. and I'm like, "Oh, well, that's stupid." Um, and then the next day, uh, I was thinking about it, and I thought, "Well, actually." What if it wasn't stupid? And so I just started making the comic. Just did the first uh, the first uh, strip at the time, and 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 just to see if what it would be. And it turned into something a heck of a lot bigger than I expected. Um, Super Focus is a straight up saga now. I think that's fair to say. Um, it's it's Super not Gagaday. You know, <laughs> it's it's not it's not just you know old people jokes. None of that is important to me. What's important to me is these characters, their shared history. Um, their 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 faults, the errors they've made, the, the things that they're trying to do, the redemption they're seeking. That's what Super Fogies is about. And so, um, Third World Studios saw Super Fogies way back in the day, uh, thought it was amazing, uh, which was awesome for me and and very exciting. And they came on board to publish it. And so now here we are, um, several years later. Um, I've since brought on a, a, a my co-artist, uh, not co-artist, because I don't even draw it anymore, but initially I did. Uh, but my, the artist uh, that, who draws it now is Mark LaPierre. And together we make, uh, we make the Super Fogies and, and Third World publishes it. On Comixology, we have 12 single issues. And we also have our new brand new graphic novel, which collects the first 17 chapters plus some bonus stories, 300 pages. Um, that is also on Comixology. But the big news is, is that that graphic novel is now hitting stores August 11th. I'm talking comic stores. I'm talking Amazon.com. It's even on Target.com. I just found out the other day, which I did not know was going to happen. Dude, that's um, killer, man. Yeah, totally I know, right? Mom. Holy cow. I mean, is it going to be in Target stores? I have no idea, but it's on Target.com and that's cool. And people know what Target is. And so yeah. everybody who doesn't like comics is suddenly very excited for me. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful book third world uh who also does uh the amazing comic series the stuff of legend uh and has been in the industry for years they they literally referred to the super focus book as the best printing job they've ever seen so for those even that are familiar with it on the web i would say you've got to get this book because this book is gorgeous um having the the, the strips laid out as pages um i believe is a completely different experience and much more rewarding um, and I'm just, I'm just so excited for this book. It, it looks amazing. It feels amazing to hold it. And, um, the reports I'm getting back from, from people who, who backed it on Kickstarter and who already have their copies is that, uh, and that, that's the experience they're having too, is they just love this book. And, um, anyways, I'm, I'm selling this book too hard. I just, no. I really love it. And I, and I believe no, no, it. No, no, so. It's, it's, I'm sitting here. I'm, I've got my copy. I'm looking through it and I'm like, not only does every strip show the love and the care and the thought that's gone into the story over time but it is seeing it laid out like instead of being on the screen i'm definitely one of those people where i will print things off instead of trying to do them on the computer mm -hmm. being able to see this story printed and laid out and flowing from one panel to the next one page to the next i mean it's it's wonderful and even just seeing some of of the moments with Star Maiden and seeing her facial expressions shift from panel to panel and page to page. I'm like, oh, I can keep up with her for five seconds now. 
this woman. <laughs> <laughs> no, She's a slippery one. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I think one of the things you just, when you're going from the web to the actual in book in your hand, um, obviously it was, it's an amazing shift from art from you to Mark. Um, your stuff is amazing, but mm-hmm. Mark really, I think he explores the comic, the panels very, very well. Um, mm-hmm. the characters burst out of that so much more. And I think until you get this in your hand and see it, you don't really notice it as much. Like, I don't remember there being so many breaks and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of exploring the pages and changes seeing it on the web like I do here in my hands and it just really blew me away to how big of a change that was and how he gets to explore that page and explore the panels with these characters Mm -hmm. and it really is amazing it does take the story for me to a new level I remember I've read this online I've seen it we've talked to you before about it when this showed up in my mail I was like oh man this is awesome I'll flip through it and I remember just like hitting like I think it was probably chapter eight I just caught a panel and all of a sudden, I'm like at chapter 12, like, oh, man, I need to make dinner. Like, hold on a second. I just got home. Like, this is crazy. I got completely lost in this book all over again because I had it in my hand and it was tangible. And it was something that it made me kind of experience in a different way. And I really love what Third World Studios did. Um, this, yeah. you, you know, you kind of think of Third World and stuff of legend and super fogies. And, you know, they're little, they're smaller books. You know, they're, they're indie. And... This is the quality of something that you would see in like a dark horse omnibus kind of printing and style. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely phenomenal. So uh, there's my gush moment uh, for the day. I promise uh, that that will be maybe maybe one of the last ones. I, I'm going to hold myself not that great. But thank you, guys. Uh, Third World Studios and Brock and you guys getting together and making this because it it's absolutely amazing. Phenomenal. Love it. I love everything about it. Awesome. Love hearing that. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if you see this at a Target shelf somewhere, take a picture and send it to us. Like, I'll, I would love to know yeah, if right? it's on shelves out there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you talked about the book, but I, I kind of want to talk about some of this, the, you know, the, the journeys that maybe happened with this series, some of the things mm-hmm. that maybe were occurring through. But because um, you did mention your co-creator with Mark and mm-hmm. him coming onto the book. Um, I know that took place about chapter 10 uh, is when he yeah. joined on. What was that like? Like w- what caused him to come and join the book? Like, were, did you guys know each other prior? What, what was that like? What was that like bringing him on? So Mark and I were familiar with each other as web comic creators, uh, really. And, and that was kind of the extent of our, of our knowledge of each other. He even had done, um, he had done a guest strip, for Super Fogies, and I also asked him to draw a quick. Um, I, I, Super Fogies also has a kind of a, a companion comic called Super Fogies Origins, and uh, where we basically showed the characters in younger days or, or you know, just side stories. And so he drew a two-page Super Fogies origin story, and um, and I really liked what he did. You know, it was very much in his style, which uh, which he had honed uh, across a couple of different web comics he had worked on over the years, and. You know, I was I came to a point, I don't know, about three or four years into Super Fogies where I just realized that art and drawing and illustration, which was the thing I had kind of staked all my dreams on for, you know, ever since I was a kid, um, I realized they, they actually weren't satisfying to me anymore. I, I really wasn't enjoying the drawing and and I wasn't and I felt like I was kind of reaching a plateau. I was doing my best stuff ever. You know, if you look at chapter 10 of the Super fogies and you look at where i stopped i mean i think that's the best art i've ever created and yet at the same time i was receiving no 
like internal reward for doing it. And I just thought that's, that's wrong. That doesn't make any sense. How can I be doing my best work and yet not feeling good about it at all? And I realized I can't, I can't do it anymore. Gosh. I can't draw anymore. It's done for me. And so I made the decision, you know, super fogies ends at 300, which if you look at exactly where I stopped, that was going to be the end. Um, which was going to be completely unsatisfying because it resolves nothing. It's in the middle of a chapter. (laughs) But that was going to be the end um, because I just couldn't imagine doing it anymore. Um, Unless there was somebody who was willing to take it over, at least take over the art duties, because I still wanted to write it. I loved writing. That's really what what it was for me is that I realized that my particular set of skills and talents, I thought, had much more potential in the writing arena. Um, that's where I just feel like I, I can keep going. And, and whereas with art, I felt like I was just hitting a wall on what I could do. So, you know, Third World really encouraged me. They said, look, please don't stop doing this comic. We believe in it. We love it. But let's find somebody. Let's just start reaching out and let's find somebody. So I, I did. I reached out to Mark and I said, Mark, you know, I, I think your art's pretty great. I think this would be pretty awesome to do. Uh, what do you think? And not even expecting really a yes, because who the crud wants to go and draw somebody else's story and, <laughs> and dedicate themselves for, you know, years to it, uh, which is really what I was asking. Um, but Mark came back real quick and he's like, you know, actually, I hate writing. Like, I love drawing <laughs> and I love doing my comic. But like, if I have to write and come up with another gag one more time, like, I'm going to shoot myself. So he didn't literally say that. That's terrible. Um, but but I was like, oh, my gosh, dude, we're, we're syncing up. Um, let's do it. And That's so we awesome. did. And, and, and Mark started with um, episode 301, right smack dab in the middle of chapter 10. And he very much worked hard to get his art style as close to mine. Um, and so if you look at 301 and you back to back with 300, you'll see that transition where he's very much trying to draw just like me and look to, in, to to myself and to him. It's very obvious where that transition happens. There were readers, however, who did not notice uh, at uh, all. Including me, because I'm actually flipping through chapter <laughs> 10 right now. And I'm like, huh? I don't see it. Yeah. See that. <laughs> well, there see, you go. And that's the thing. Yeah. I honestly thought I would have thought he'd taken over at the start of 11, not midway through 10. And yeah. yeah. And, and you can tell like, that there is a transition like i looked really hard when i got this and i saw your forward and it kind of talked about that and i wait and i was looking hard and i was like man like they either had this discussion that he either had to draw exactly like brock was doing or like (laughs) use sketches and you know like trace on the screen of what he had or this was just something that it kind of slowly transitioned and progressed and it's just it is so close to flawless as, a, as a, of a transition as you could get. It is really cool how well you guys synced up. And to hear that that was your guys' tale of it, it makes a lot of sense that that's what happened. Yeah. And honestly, that was mostly Mark. It, it was I was kind of like, hey, dude, do your own thing. Like, I don't want to stifle his creativity. But he's like, no, 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 no. we're, we're going to do it like this. And then as I go forward and I get more comfortable, I'll start transitioning, you know, towards something that makes more sense to me. Um, and I think if you look at the book you look at you know at the end of the book and, and especially like the current strips you can see that it's very very far from what i was drawing he transitioned very slowly into this whole um not not even really like his main style he, he developed a whole new style for super Focus that's kind of an amalgamation of him and me 
Um, and it's just, it's gorgeous is what it is. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad mm -hmm. that for you guys, that transition is smooth because that was definitely the intention, at least m mostly Mark's intention. Yeah, it really is. And mm -hmm. it, it is, it's super smooth. But I, I think for me, one of the biggest things that I noticed that, oh man, there's definitely a different artist here and what's going on and changing is, I mean, there's a literal moment where they're bursting out of Valhalla and, uh -huh. you know, exploring the world and the world is coming to them and all these things are happening. And I, for me, I really just w went, oh, wow, okay, th that's obviously what happened here because now they're able to explore a whole new space, pun intended, and world and all these different mm -hmm. things. And it, it just, it absolutely changes the game of this book watching you know those roles take place and transition and develop mm -hmm. and evolve it's absolutely gorgeous it's just amazing what happens with this book later on yeah and that was because i didn't have to draw it anymore and, <laughs> and i could write whatever i wanted and mark had to figure out how to make it happen there it is and, <laughs> and mark will tell you like i i've definitely challenged him over the years um and, but he's grateful. I mean, he, I'm, I'm quoting him here. Uh, he, he is grateful for it because those challenges, of course, um, you know, he, he more than met them and, and they made him a better artist. And, uh, and I, yeah, I didn't have to hold the story back anymore. The story, that's the other part of this is the story was really being held back by, by, by me and my limited abilities. And, um, and then with Mark, it was just kind of like, okay, man, that's you're great at action. I suck at action. We're gonna have a lot more action now. And so the book just <laughs> completely, I mean, it very much is in line with my original plans, but I was able to make everything so much bigger. That's nice. really what Mark allowed it to be. Nice. And mm. I love that to hear that so much that you guys were able to just kind of have that perfect fit and it synced up so well. I think because it took this series, I'm going to use a really poor analogy here now that I just thought of it. It popped in my head and I like it. Somebody used it. It's very poor, but it took it from like this friends style show and comic where you're in this kind of mm -hmm. same universe, same world. You're always going to the coffee shop or you're always going down the hall. Right. And all of a sudden now it's, it's a star Trek where now we're exploring everywhere we can think of and imagine and the possibilities that go around it. And mm -hmm. I, I yeah like I said it, it went from friends to Star Trek for me because it went from the same location same places to anywhere as possible anywhere in the world we can put ourselves into it and it's gorgeous for mm -hmm. it and amazing for it cool mm -hmm. no I, that's a great it's a great comparison I love that <laughs> yeah um, it, it's it's absolutely beautiful and you do see that with you know the the artwork and just the way that even the, the way that they've been sort of expanding themselves out, you know, you, in the early chapters, it was, you know, the things you'd normally think of in, in a retirement home, bingo night, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing, the, the computer classes. And right. then it became like, well, let's go to Vegas. You yeah. know, let's go to the casinos. <laughs> and then it became a, wait a second, we have to help defend the world again. And it's just been like this expanding out of their world from being just, themselves to something bigger again mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's really awesome to see yeah no and and that that is because of mark that's because mark like will for example actually draw backgrounds um and i won't <laughs> as much as i <laughs> don't have to um and the story was always headed to vegas i think that was that was really kind of what prompted the transition to is realizing that oh crud i'm gonna put these guys in vegas i knew where the story was going i knew what was going to happen in that chapter and the thought of drawing vegas and a giant robot attacking and all of these things that i knew were coming i'm like i, I 
don't have any idea how to do that. <laughs> and, and Mark and Mark did more more than knew how to do that. Dude, so. that's so cool. I love it. Thank goodness for him. Well, speaking of the evolution of the stories, what about the the evolution of the characters? Because I mean, you've been doing this for a while. I mean, you you switched hands over even just the art at three hundred. I mean, that's a lot of work. Yeah has has there been an, an evolution in the characters over the years? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that. Uh, some characters specifically don't really evolve that much. Um, I would say Swifty, our, our cranky speedster, <laughs> doesn't, like, his, his, his MO is to, is to not change. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I don't think you necessarily want him to change um, because he's, he's kind of our snark factory. And uh, and he's 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 our he's our guy that'll that'll go and call out how ridiculous and stupid everything is. And you need that character. So I don't ever really want Swifty to change a whole lot. But then you've got guys like Captain Spectacular, you know, who's kind of our our Superman analog. And he begins the comic, you know, basically retired and retired in the worst sense, in the sense that like he will not lift a finger to do or help anyone. And this guy was the greatest superhero ever lived. But that's kind of the problem. Like he felt like. I did my time, you know, I did everything I was supposed to do, made the, kept the world safe and now I get to rest. And, and, uh, and so he watches Jeopardy all day and eats oatmeal and, and he's happy with that. Um, and, and then he suffers some consequences because of that attitude. Um, because that is not a super successful attitude. Um, when, when start, when stuff starts hitting the fan the way that it does in, in the story. Um, and then you take a guy like that, you put him through some real stuff and then he starts reassessing, he starts reassessing his values. He starts reassessing the decisions he's made in his old age. Um, and I think it's fair to say that at this point, as we're kind of, we are very much nearing the end game. Um, there's two and a half chapters left and then super focus is done. Um, Captain Spectacular is a totally different person. Um, he doesn't have those same attitudes and he still has some evolving to do before we're done. Um, but, uh, but I, I think he's a good example of, of what you can do with old superheroes, you know, I mean, it's, it's these guys to me, here's, here's kind of been my guiding light for this, for this comic is that these guys, I don't care about them being old. It's not about their age. It's about their history. It's about how long they've been around and, and, and how much they've been through and how much they've been through together. That's what's interesting to me. And the question I think the comic is asking is, is there anything left to learn? Is there a point at which in your life you get to a point and you can just stop? You can just stop learning. You can stop growing. You can stop progressing. You can start stop contributing, and that's okay. Or is that the wrong attitude to take? And should we continue to grow and develop and change and fight for what's right, even to our last dying breath? That's that's the question at the heart of the superfogies, and everything that we're doing is stemming from the two different viewpoints of that question. And also, what does it mean to be a hero? I think that's the other big thing. And I, I think that's a theme that stays with you no matter what the age is, right? What What does that hero <laughs> mean? Because maybe you don't see yourself in that lens as a hero, but other people will and the people around right. you. And I, I think you see that a lot with different characters who kind of get to take the lead as they go on. Um, were, were there anybody, was there any character in this story as they evolved and as time went on that maybe took on a life you didn't see for them that just naturally and progressed that way? Yeah, I I I think Soviet Sam would be the classic yes. example. Oh, yes. yeah. Love me. We were just talking about Soviet Sam before you logged on. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Soviet, 
Soviet Sam is our is our kind of our Captain America analog, but of course, as as suggested by his name, he is from Russia and from specifically the Soviet Union. Um, and Soviet Sam, uh, you know, I, this is pretty early on in, in the comic, but um, you start to understand who this guy is. He he was a villain. He was a founding member of the Lodge of Doom, uh, and and back in the fifties, and in, in the first fight against the Lodge of Doom versus the Society of Heroes, Soviet Sam killed. Uh, the founding member of the Soviet, of the Society of Heroes, the Money Man, he killed him with one punch. Um, and and instead of being like, yes, I killed that guy, he was more like, oh crap, I killed that guy, yeah. and he felt terrible about it. And um, and Soviet spent, Sam spent essentially the next 50, 60 years in a deep deep depression. And when we catch up with him as an old man, um, he's somebody who's really still wrestling with this horrible thing that he's done and and feeling so awful about it um and then through the story of the super focus he's given an opportunity to step up and for the first time in his life actually be a hero and i think part of the joy of that character is seeing him still wrestle with the guilt still wrestle with these issues of redemption even while he's clawing his way towards towards being that hero the, the type that he's always admired and i think i think he's become a fan favorite for that reason he's somebody who's very easy to empathize with we all have those parts of ourselves those things that we've done that we regret and we're trying to do better and that's soviet mm -hmm. sam he's just a genuine like despite the horrible things he's done he, he's he's a genuine person who is trying to do the right thing now yeah. and uh and and it's and it hurts when he fails but it hurts him more than anybody but it hurts us as readers too i think yeah i count myself oh, as a reader but yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, and, and no, that's so sure. cool that that comes along in that way that you saw that even in you and like you said, you're a reader for that character because it kind of took on a different life for you. Uh, oh, I just remembered yeah. your, your original question was, was, was that he surprised me? And I forgot to say why Sylvia Sam surprised me. It's because he was not a character I was planning on putting in the comic. He was oh, a character really? who came. Yeah, yeah. He was a character who came out of left field. I did this, the, the Society of Heroes origin and then. Uh, the idea, it was really kind of a, a dark joke for me, the idea that he would kill this guy and then feel bad about it and run away crying. Um, and, and, and that was going to be really the end of Soviet Sam. But Aww. the response I got from readers was that, oh, my gosh, we love this guy. What happened to Soviet Sam? Yeah. And I was like, oh, crap, now I got to do the origin of Soviet Sam. So I wrote the origin <laughs> of Soviet Sam. Yeah. And then they're like, well, when are we going to see Soviet Sam in the main story? And I'm like, never. <laughs> And then I thought, well, wait a minute. No, Soviet Sam should be in the main story. And so he really, he really got brought on because of because of reader response. That's why he's That's in the awesome. book now. And and now he's he's a full fledged main character yeah. with his own story and and interactions. And uh, I'm sure for a lot of people looking at the, looking at where the story is right now, particularly in his relationship with Spy Gal, I'm sure it's hard to imagine how he was ever not in in the original yeah. plans. But but he wasn't. He originally was not part of the plan. Yeah, you you blew my mind with especially with how well he fits into the story right now, and I think the, as as how well he fits into the theme of the story, which is that mm -hmm. constant growth and evolution. No mm -hmm. matter how good or how evil you were, that that your life still continues. It never ends, uh, like you'd spoke about earlier. And for me, with Soviet Sam, I I was talking to Marley about it earlier. Is, uh, I, I feel like he's the woke grandpa before woke was a word because he yeah. just wants to be he wants to be good like he understands that 
he was a product of his time and place and he is trying to do what he can to redeem that and change that and, and do different things. But at the same time, he doesn't really mm-hmm. know how to do that sometimes. Like there's, there's just such right. great moments with him where he's like, Oh man, I'm still a bad guy. Aren't I? They're like, no, no, you're good. Man. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. <better." laughs> well, even, even just the whole idea of like, like reading his origin story again. And I was just like, everybody just give him a break. Everybody just take a moment and give him the perspective See what he's actually doing instead of seeing, you know, based on, like we were saying, their shared history, their shared Mm -hmm. past. Like, Mm -hmm. everybody's still holding that one moment against him instead Mm -hmm. of seeing what he's trying to do now. Right. Right. That just hits really hard for him, you know? No, absolutely. And, and in a way, he I, I think what he developed into and I, and, I, and I particularly tried to underline this in chapter 22. Um, he is an analog. Him and Jerry are kind of analogs for each other in a way, um, in the sense that they both have been kind of put down throughout their life. They both have been kind of like, you know, you're not you're worthless. Forget you. And but the way they respond to it is completely the opposite. Jerry has his response. He's a little bit more resentful and a little bit more, I'm going to get mine. And Soviet Sam is a little bit more, I'm, uh, you're right, I am horrible, but I'm going to try to do better, you know? And so to me, that's what's interesting about those two characters is that they are essentially afflicted in the same, by the same thing in different ways, but their response is totally, totally different. Absolutely. No, I love that. And they totally stole Zangief off of Soviet Sam because he might yes. be a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy. So. <laughs> Dude, I oh that's so cool. So the other so talk to me a little bit about Valhalla. Like how did that kind of come to place? Was that always meant to be the pun of, you know, Valhalla where the you know, everybody goes to when they're dead and retired or you know, how did that kind of start up? Yeah, so early days of the Super Fogies, it was literally, I didn't make any notes, I didn't make any sketches, <laughs> I just started doing the comic. And um, and so when you see, when you read those first comics, you're really looking at, you know, the, the notes, you're looking at all of me working it out. And so Valhalla came, I mean, this is a really boring answer, I needed a name for a retirement community for superheroes and Valhalla was the first thing that popped into my head. So I was like, okay, great. Perfect. And that, that was it. Uh, hey. It's a really boring answer, but that's, that's the answer. That's fine though. That's just how that works sometimes. Right. And, and when it works, yep. it works. Why change that up? So that's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, all right, cool. So I'm going to let Marley kind of take over. I know she had some other questions as well. I want to make, I want to make sure she, cause she was blowing me away. We were having such good conversations earlier. So I want to make sure she gets some time as well. Cause I know she's such a fan. Oh gosh! Well, and, and now of course I'm sitting here and I'm like, uh, which was your favorite? <laughs> but I mean, this this still goes with like you know who took you by surprise. But I mean, really, has there anybody who over the time they've really just grown to be your favorite? And has there mm. been any like minor characters that you've been like, oh man, I'd really like to see you know more of that small person that we had before. Uh-huh. That just it, they just don't fit in the main cast. I wish we could bring him back, you know, but for sure. Uh, so Captain Spectacular has been my favorite from the very beginning, which has always been ironic to me because he literally may be the most hated character. Um, <laughs> but I just, I don't know, I think I have a soft spot for Cap because I feel like he deals with a lot of things that I deal with. 
Um, and so I'm kind of trying to work out some of my own issues through him. And I just, I have a soft spot for people who like don't get it and then do get it and then, and then try to do better. So hopefully people, you know, feel a little bit more kindly towards Cap at this point, now that he's really made some changes in himself. Um, but as far as like a minor character that, oh man, there's so many great minor characters. I feel like, I feel like, um, Suckface is a character that I just, I feel like I never have enough time for. Um, I just, I mean, first of all, his name just makes me laugh every single time I, every I time, write it. Every time. Uh, every time it makes me laugh. I mean, his, 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 his mouth is a black hole. You know, it's, yeah. his name is Suckface. There's really, he's not a complicated <laughs> dude, but, um, but I just, the visual and he just, he's just, he's just a fun character. But the character that, that I will shoehorn into every single strip I possibly can without fail is Atomic Fly. Yes! Uh, I, was, I, was, I was like sitting here waiting, hoping it was Atomic Fly because I'm like, he's my favorite. Also, I love Atomic Fly. So I love riding Atomic Fly. I just, I don't get sick. I'm so I'm so glad that you guys love Atomic Fly yes. because for a little while there, I was like getting him in there so much. I'm like, oh man, what if nobody likes Atomic Fly? It's, like, it is one of the best running yeah. jokes in comics out there. Oh, I love him yes. so much. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, I, well, and, and the speech balloon upside down for him and everything. I mean, <laughs> I had to get rid of that device, but yes, initially all of it because he's Atomic Fly. For those of you who haven't read the comic, his visual is that he is always upside down. Yes. he is a human fly. Um, and, and so he hovers, he never walks, um, and, and, but he's always upside down in every single comic. So for a little while there in the beginning, I actually literally put all of his word balloons upside down. Um, but then he started having so much more of a presence in the comic. I realized, oh my gosh, this is, I cannot keep this guy's <laughs> word balloons always upside down. It's, he's saying too much now. And so I yeah. flipped it back around, but um, but those, those early ones, they're still upside down. Yeah, I, mm. I appreciate the word, the bubbles being flipped because I, I am a big digital comics guy and there's nothing worse than on my iPad <laughs> and my tablet, like trying to switch it and then it flips <laughs> back over and reorients itself. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm constantly almost doing handstands when I was reading it sometimes. So I appreciate it. I, I love the joke. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It is one of my favorite running jokes in that series early on but oh my gosh i appreciated it going back down it definitely changed the game in fact atomic fly is so loved by me and by third world that um we'd love to do like an animated series some someday and and one of the things that that i did a couple years back is i went and i had i wrote like a five minute pilot script okay for for the animated series it does not exist but maybe someday it will but i just i wanted to write a script and it's it's only five minutes long um, and it, it basically covers the first half of chapter one. And within that, I worked in both Soviet Sam and Atomic Fly into that early chapter within oh. this pilot. Cause it's like, you have to, I have to have, like, if there's one regret I have, <laughs> it's that I didn't have Atomic Fly in the comic from the very beginning. No, nice. Um, oh, because I oh. think he would have added so much. Awesome. Well, the, the next question I have then actually kind of bounds off of that is, is, you know, super fogies was to go from just a print or, you know, a, a web comic form into another form of media. What would your ideal thing be? If, if somebody came to you and said, Hey, we want to do something mm -hmm. more with it. Let's mm -hmm. negotiate. What would you be looking for? So 100% animated animated series. Uh, I, I, there's really I don't see it as live action. In fact, there's a movie that came out last year called Supervised, oh. um, and it and I 
I recently saw the trailer and I read some reviews and I, you know, if those, if the screenwriter of that did not actually read super phobies, that is a massive coincidence because there are some, some real striking parallels and I'm not in the business of going after people, you know, I, all art steals, but I am convinced just by watching the trailer for that movie, that super phobies absolutely should never be done in live action. Um, it just looks, it looks stupid. It looks dumb. And, 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 and I think live action would lean so much into the age and, I don't know if you can tell this, but the way I draw them, I, I don't draw them with too much age. You know, there's some, mm -hmm. some crow's feet and there's some smile lines. But other than that, I'm not really trying to draw them super old because that's not the point. Um, the point is, is, is their history. Um, so I think it works best in, in animation because you can lean into that without being distracted by, you know, liver spots and, and too much realism, I think, which just ruins super focus. So mm -hmm. yes, animated series. I think, I think it could be a really strong animated series. I think it would be, I don't know. I, I think it would be successful, but of course that's me. I do the comic. <laughs> no, and I, I think it, I think the charm of what Super Fogies is is the animation because, it like you said, it's not about their age; it's their history and it's the story around them, right? It, it is the, mm -hmm. the continuing story mm -hmm. with those characters, and and I think animation is the only way you catch that because yes, there's amazing actors out there with phenomenal comedic timing that would fit all of these specific age ranges if you wanted to do that. Sure, but, but why do that? Why not lend right. that to? Because the idea is these are still learning people, and I think that would be kind of fun to have these characters animated, but put young actors behind them with younger voices because that would still be kind of who they were from the inside. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. That'd be so That'd much be fun. Interesting. And that would that would absolutely one hundred percent work with Star Maiden and how she's like literally in that that first half here, just like stuck in the past. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. But also another point is. There's so many times that Captain Spectacular is not wearing pants, and I don't want to see <laughs> you a don't want to see that. No, no, that needs to stay in the animated illustration world. Yeah, I agree. Yep, there's there is no clever angle for that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, but That's okay, so so say that you do get to go animated. What would you absolutely one hundred percent want to see in there? Because you know, there's always things get have to get changed from book format to, mm -hmm. to movie or show or whatever, you know, what would you say would have to be there versus like, well, what would you think you could change or do differently? Right. So I do think that some of those popular characters that were added later in the story, I think they could be added early on, like atomic fly, mm -hmm. like, like Soviet Sam. I think, um, I think I'd probably lean on thrice evil a little bit more in, in yeah. the early days, All because right. um, especially with, with how that character comes to prominence later in the story, I think I didn't do as good a job in the comic as I could have seating him early. He's, he's just kind of an occasional appearance, and I meant for him to be more, more of a bigger character. Um, I think the thing that you have to have, though, I think, I think Jerry and everything that Jerry is and everything that Jerry represents has got to stay consistent. Jerry and his story is really the backbone of the super fogies. And I'm being very hesitant to describe what that is because if anybody hasn't read it, um, the less you know about Jerry going in, the better off you are. But as long as Jerry and his story and, and what he's trying to do and the way that he plays off of other characters is intact, I feel like there's a lot of room for doing different things around that. But Jerry is really the spine. And I know that as the series goes on and we get past some of Jerry's major early plots, it, it 
very much feels like we're getting away from Jerry. But just slight, tiny, tiny spoiler. As Super Fogies wraps up, we come back into Jerry in a big way. And Jerry and his story completely takes over the comic again. And you realize, you realize if you haven't already, that the whole thing's been about him from the beginning anyway. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think as long as, long as Jerry's intact, I think everything around that can, is very malleable. That's awesome mm. to hear. I love that. Uh, cause he is a phenomenal character and I, I do want to ask as well, you know, you kind of mentioned, um, that there are characters that you can empathize with and, and see, you know, putting yourself in different shoes, uh, is anybody here specifically, you know, dealing with some of your same struggles or fights, or is that just kind of an amalgamation of everybody gets a little bit of you and, and everybody that you create? You know, it's probably more the latter. It's probably more the latter. I mean, even Swifty, who early on, I really did not care for as a character. And that's probably because he represents like the worst part of myself, which is the part that just wants to just pick at everybody and, <laughs> and always has a smart Alec thing to say, yeah. and, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, Captain Spectacular is, is me wrestling with my laziness. Um, and, you know, um, Soviet Sam is me wrestling with regret. Um, Jerry is me wrestling with, you know, feeling insecure and feeling um, underappreciated and wanting to lash out because of that, you know. So there's, there's yeah, there's some ugly parts of myself in this silly little comic about old superheroes in a nursing home. Um, but there's also some good parts of myself. <laughs> good, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think having, having written, you know, not just for bogies, but other stories as well, I think it's fair to say that every character you write, and I think every writer will agree with this, has, has got a piece of you in it. You know, you kind of carve a piece out of yourself and you put it in that character. Um, and, and that's definitely true for me. Nice. And and I think uh, you nail those parts of it, honestly. I love that there are people who want to be Boy Scouts in here and be the ultimate good hero, ultimate thing. But uh, I don't think anybody really fits that role 100%. And I think that's what mm-hmm. makes them all so interesting. Because to me, it's never all of the good that the character does that makes them interesting. It's all the flaws that they have to recover from and change that mm-hmm. make them amazing and actual heroes. And, and this, like we've talked about it and said it so many times, uh, this book embodies that in all kinds of different forms and persons and styles. And it's fantastic. So, uh, thanks for making that a little personal, you know, thanks for putting some of that stuff in there because I think that's what also makes them relatable and it gives people, you know, inspiration from those characters too. So I appreciate I, that. Yeah. I was going to say, that's the sort of thing that lets like, I, for me as a reader, it lets me connect with so many of the different characters. You know, there's mm-hmm. things that I admire about certain characters, but there are also things that I sit there and I'm like, ah, yeah, I, I, I feel you Soviet Sam or, Oh, yeah. Jerry, you're a good reminder not to do that. Thanks. Yeah. Not to go there. Uh, or, you know, or, or Captain Spectacular, I feel just a little bit better because I put on pants today. Thank you for reminding me to not sit there on the couch. I mean, especially since, you know, as a teacher, I get summers off and it's like, well, I don't, I have summers off, but I don't, there's always work to be done. But yeah. it's easy to fall into that trap of, no, I don't have to plan or no I don't have to go and take more classes or no I don't have right. to be prepping for the next school year there's always a, a I could just sit on the couch with my oatmeal and, and Jeopardy yep. and just just so <laughs> out and no you can't there's you always can't. something more to grow there's always yeah. something more to do yeah. but Absolutely. so many of the characters have that touch that let you really just latch on in one moment to the next 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and that really makes it human. That's awesome. I love hearing that. That's mm-hmm. I'm so glad that's your takeaway. I really am. Nice. So um, I, I do want to talk a little bit kind of about just the comic industry as a whole and mm-hmm. some opportunities that seem to be out there, I think, because um, we are living in absolutely unprecedented times. Um, you know, this show is no stranger um, to talking about COVID and how it's affected some of our lives and our personal businesses and things like that. Um, but one of the things that has really been interesting are the convention circuits, uh, especially this year in 2020. They they they're they're all virtual. They're digital now, right? And mm-hmm. I think you're seeing a lot of artists struggling with that, obviously, because they're not able to be on artist alleys and be kind of taking mm-hmm. that route of discovery and being discovered by certain people. But do you do you see that comics? can that they maybe they have an opportunity right now with our pandemic right now and social distancing as a whole do you see them having an ability to try to maybe even wrangle up a new audience with this pandemic like do you see there being an opportunity for growth yeah you know i think i think any change is always an opportunity even even a negative change uh and so i think that some things are worse um you know, for example, for Super Fogies, and we talked about this before the show, yeah. uh, the orders uh, on Super Fogies are much lower than they would have been had it not been for the pandemic. Because a lot of comic shops, you know, they're they're not able to be open or they're not as open as, as they used to be. And there's a lot of um, unease of economically and things like that. And so, you know, that made the orders for, for Super Fogies a little bit less for comic stores. It's going out there, but not as much as it would have. So that represents a loss. But I think there is also an opportunity, and I think the opportunity that we see, uh, particularly with with COVID and everything, is that people people have more time. Yeah. Um, and I think they're also looking for more comfort. Um, I know that me personally, I bought more graphic novels in the past three or four months than I did probably the last two years combined because I just want stuff, cool stuff to read. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I got to think there's there's probably a lot of people out there like me. And and if you are like me, I'll just say this and you guys can disagree with me or not. I think that Superfogies is excellent comfort food. I think that yes. if you're looking for a comforting story that, that is going to make you feel good and make you laugh, uh, Superfogies is a great choice. Um, but there's lots of other comics out there, too. I Recently, for example, I got um, Day Tripper, uh, which was a Vertigo series. Uh, collected. Uh, I got the collected GN um, by... Uh, by the um, oh gosh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba, um, incredible, incredible series about a man who uh, basically it's it's one guy's life story, and but at the end of every single chapter he dies, and then there's his obituary, yep. and then the next chapter he's alive again, but we're at a different point in his life, and it's just a really interesting device to kind of like examine okay who are we at different points of our lives? If we died right now, what would be said about us? Um, and I just, I love that comic. And I probably would not have discovered that comic were it not for this pandemic. And I was out there actively looking for something really cool to read. And because I needed to, I needed to just not think about everything else for a little bit. Um, so I think that is the growth opportunity right now. And I think that's, I think that's a, a spot that comics can fill much like video games are filming are filling for a lot of people right now. You know, yeah. a lot of people are playing a lot more video games because you know, they got nothing better to do or, or they want mm-hmm. that comfort. And which is fine, which I think is great. Yeah, and um, I, I think you hit a great point. Uh, first of all, Gabe, uh, Gabriel Ba's art on Day Tripper is just 
Mm. That guy is just phenomenal mm-hmm. with what he puts on a page. It's amazing. Uh, the same artist behind Umbrella Academy, which is huge right now. Right. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he, right. He's just absolutely phenomenal in his work. But uh, the, the the thing that I'm really seeing, and I'm just, I've been a little, honestly, I'm waiting to see more of it, is I'm really surprised that we're not hearing more of comic talk and comic books mm-hmm. in general because I feel like this is a this is an opportunity, you know, a time rife with opportunity because we can still have artists drawing. We can still have people mm-hmm. writing in their homes and in their offices away from everybody and putting that out. And it's, it's just interesting um, that, I don't know, I, I feel like I was going to see a lot more of, I don't know whether it was advertising or setups and seeing more of these online and digital conventions going on. And I don't know if there was just fear behind it and maybe something there, mm-hmm. but man, I just really hope we start seeing more of it as people are stuck in place and, and having these things going down. I, I really hope more people take advantage of this time because I, I, like you said, I think there is an opportunity here for comics to fill a big role because video games are taking mm-hmm. a role for sure, but they're not really making TV shows and movies right now. They're, they're all super yeah. slow and nothing's really starting up. And I'm, I'm sure you know that more than anyone right now with one mm-hmm. of your projects as well. But mm-hmm. man, I, I, I really, I don't know. I, I'm kind of at a point where I'm waiting to see it happen almost. Like I, I, don't, I feel like comics hasn't really stepped quite into that place because you're right. My coffee table right now is just got stacks on it. Like I've just I've been right. ordering stuff left and right. People have been having sales. I'm like, all right, this is a great time for me. Like I've been going hard. So, uh, yeah, for sure. I, I don't know. I do you do you think that there's anything specifically or anything you would like to see more from in the comics industry as a whole that maybe could take more advantage of this? Um, you know, if there's one thing, if there's one frustration I have with the comics industry right now is that I feel like a lot of stuff is being made for a certain audience and pretty much for no one else. I think a lot of stuff right now is being made for the adult audience. Even, even the comics I grew up in as a kid are being made for the adult audience. And you either have, you know, when, when I say adult, I'm talking about mature themes, yeah. uh, in some cases, some, some mature language, mm-hmm. um, some, some ultra violence, you know, there was a time when, Yes, DC and Marvel comics have always been violent, but they weren't ultra violent. They weren't, you know, some of the some of the sexual content com- that you'd see. It was comic book violent. Yes, you know? yeah. But then they'll have these imprints, right? These imprints that are made for kids and they're takes off take off from, you know, like the whatever the animated series of the month is, you know. Um, and and that's for kids. But what I'm not seeing is anything in between that. Hmm. And that's really I think where comics is kind of failing because the comics uh, it used to be the Dark Knight Returns and the Watchmen's were the exception. Now I feel like they're more the rule. I feel like every comic is kind of that mature. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is, is the problem is the dearth of comics that are occupying the in-between space. And the in-between space that I'm talking about is where you're not talking down. You're, you're talking at an adult level. You're writing at an adult level, but you're not including these adult content. And for a kid like me, 10, 11, 12, discovering comics for the first time, those were the comics that I went to. Those were the comics that I loved and that I could get into without any kind of shame or guilt or feeling like, oh, I'm reading something that I that my parents would, if they caught me, I'd be in trouble. You need those comics too. But they weren't stupid. They didn't make me feel like a kid either. Um, one of the things that's been really surprising to me 
And the, and the reason I'm mentioning this is because I had this conversation with somebody recently about superfogies and about how superfogies actually kind of is that comic. It kind of it occupies that in-between space. And I know that because I keep hearing from people saying, I love superfogies. I gave it to my kid and now I can't get it away from my kid. My kid mm-hmm. is reading it like constantly. And, and I had one person tell me, yeah, my, you know, my kid out of the blue came to me and said, I'm really worried that people don't know about superfogies because it's really good. <laughs> I was like, can that kid be my, my marketer? Yeah, but, let's just get him on the internet all over the place, man. Yeah. But what's interesting about that is, is that superfogies was not written for kids. It was really written for me. It's, it's got adult themes in it. It's yeah, got, no doubt. you know, I mean, it's, it's not talking down to anybody. I, I, I'm using all the big words I know. Um, you know, which maybe aren't that many. I hit that thesaurus hard, man. Right. But, but what it is, is, is it's also, it's written towards my sensibilities, which is I generally don't like overt sexuality and, 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 and ultraviolence and things like that. And so it's written in a way that, that kids, that parents can hand it off to kids and, and, and feel comfortable. And then the kids are actually understanding it and, and enjoying it. And, and I think kids prefer it when things don't talk down to them. That, that, yeah. Absolutely. Kids much prefer that. Yeah. And yeah. Superfogies doesn't at all. In fact, Superfogies says, um, you know, you're going to have to catch up. You're going to have to figure this out. And I'm sure there's a lot that goes over their head, which just means it's going to be that's, that much more rewarding when they come back to it 10 years later, like a lot of comics from my youth are now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like that in-between space that I think Superfogies kind of nestles in comfortably, and I think to an extent Stuff of Legend does as well. It's just mm-hmm. it's it's just unoccupied right now. There's just really not a whole lot out there, and I think that's detrimental to the comics industry as a whole. I love that. Well, I think that's yeah. a great spot. Go ahead, Marley. I was just like um, the just thinking about how that there's things that you come back to and you appreciate when you're 10 years older, and I'm like, that's me and Calvin and Hobbes right there, where it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of adult themes and topics that you get introduced to, mm-hmm. and but they're they're done in such a way that it's age appropriate or it's it's the content exactly. appropriate exactly but it's also done at an adult level like i mean there's the calvin and Hobbes strip where they go off on vacation they come home and they realize that somebody's broken into their house and stolen their tv and i'm like as a kid reading it, i'm like wow that's scary as an adult i'm yeah. like oh that's downright <laughs> terrifying yeah, yeah like you come yeah. back and you realize your house the, the window's broken and it's like there's there's the mom in bed with her husband and and saying you know okay we lost some nice stuff but you know nobody was home that we're all safe and i'm like yeah. that went over my head as a kid right. and as an adult you're yeah. like oh that resonates but still it introduced me as a kid to the idea of somebody could break into your house and take your stuff right. and what's more right. important is that you're safe right there are things in super fogies where it's like yeah people get betrayed people make terrible life decisions that they regret for 50 mm-hmm. years people do things that you know okay great that's that's mature that's adult Mm -hmm. but you're not showing it in a graphic way Mm -hmm. a kid can still read and say oh wow that's yeah maybe they shouldn't do that and walk away with the idea of maybe i should think twice before i start feeling this way or doing this thing Mm -hmm. or you know make a choice that i'm going to regret for 50 years because i punched somebody Mm -hmm. you know right right yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think kids need to be introduced to those topics earlier, early on in their lives, but they need, it needs to be introduced in such a way that it's appropriate, that it isn't going to traumatize them, which I think some comics that are 
available mass market could traumatize them. There are certain Batman comics that I would not want to give my kids because it will literally traumatize them. Batman, I don't believe, should traumatize kids. I think that it should be a, a good comic dealing with adult stuff, but it shouldn't traumatize in the way that the animated series did. The animated series was great about tackling adult stuff, but never in a way that later on, you know, I'm crying in my bed. Um, and, and, you know, for Super Fogies, I mean, crud, Super Fogies even tackles misogyny, like in a really overt way. Huge. Uh, misogyny is, is mm-hmm. in there. Um, uh, Jer- I almost gave a spoiler away. Um, <laughs> the, there, there's a character in there that was created where we, way before I even knew what an incel was or that, that anybody knew what it was or, or, or that was even a word. And yet I think there's a character in there that very much deals with, with misogyny and, and deals with issues of, of, you know, this idea of what an incel is um, and the way you should treat women or not. And all of that is in there, but in a way that kids can read it and, and, and understand this is bad, but maybe, you know, we're not getting into the deep, dark side of that. We're just introducing the topic and and it's and it's there yeah and i think that that is i think all media has a little bit you know you can talk about art and art is subjective and it needs to be a thing that people discover for themselves and, and put themselves in there and self-discover but i also think there's a little piece of exposure right and i think mm-hmm. that there is a responsibility to create questions and create conversation and that's something that you, I mean, you can go to any great creator right now. I think uh, Guillermo del Toro really puts it best that subjects around the world are really tough to talk about, but when they're put in a fantasy environment, all of a sudden it's mm-hmm. really easy to swallow and, and advance that. And I think Super Vogue totally. does a great job of bringing topics to the table. And they're not sitting there trying to solve those topics, but they're showing you that they're out there and there are ways to come mm-hmm. at them and go around them. So what mm-hmm. I what I have for you, Brock, is just, you know, was that something that was at the forefront of your mind or was that something as you sat there and put it on the page, it just kind of evolved and you decided to let that run and take it hold? Very much the latter. I mean, it, it, it wasn't a calculated thing. I think one of the worst things you can do when telling a story is to say, I'm going to do a story about this theme. G.I. <laughs> um, Joe it? Like, <laughs> yeah, like G.I. Joe it. I think anytime you do that, you're, you're going to end up with something that's really pedantic and, and just and just kind of, eh, whatever. I can see, I can, the reader, the viewer is going to sense the agenda a mile off. Yeah. Um, so what I prefer to do is create worlds, create characters, and then just start writing and then just seeing what themes emerge. And generally, they're going to be themes that mean something to me. Um, and, I, and I trust my inherent sense of right and wrong to deal with it in, in an appropriate way. So for super fogies, the themes that emerge like misogyny, like regret, like, you know, redemption and evil and things like that, that they, they just they just came out of the characters. And, and, and then I just use my own moral compass to figure out how to deal with that. There you go. I love that. Um, you're, you're reminding me very much of, you know, just from hearing you speak about that, you're, you're, you're Mr. Rogering me really well right now. You're speaking to me, not at me, Brock. And I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) And I I love that, man. So I really want to appreciate it. Um, we are going to, unless there's any last questions, Marley, I'm going to kind of wrap this up and cause Brock, what I really want to do more than anything is just thank you for coming on. Uh, thanks for just, really bringing up some great topics, man. I, I really appreciate that. But also where can, once again, we find this book? How can we get our hands on it? How can we prepare uh, to help find it, support you with it as well? So August 11th, 2020 book hits stores. 
Amazon, Target.com, other places, I'm sure, maybe even Barnes & Noble, I have no idea, but it's going to be available widely in print. Um, you can get it right now uh, on Comixology. We have 12 single issues. Each of them are two bucks a piece, except for the first one, which is free. And the graphic novel, the, uh, the digital version of the, of the print graphic novel that's coming out August 11th, is already available on Comixology as well. And that is uh, a nice, sweet eight, yeah, seven ninety nine. Um, in print, it'll cost you twenty nine ninety nine. But I highly recommend the print because it's worth the extra expense. Um, Absolutely. So Absolutely. yeah, Comixology and and your online retailer. Yeah, that's where you'll find Superfogies. And the book itself, uh, and we'll definitely put up some pictures on this guy too. I mean, it not only looks great on a coffee table, but on a bookshelf as well. I mean, it's just it is gorgeous. It's bright. It's beautiful in every way, shape, and form. Even if you just have this down on a table where people can flip through it, they're going to get interested really fast in it. So I really do appreciate that. And then uh, where can everybody find you? Where can they find you, uh, reach out to you, talk to you, anything like that? Yeah, so I'm on uh, on Facebook, uh, you know, at Superfogies. If you want to follow us there, we always post new updates, uh, are linked to on that. Uh, Superfogies is less of a presence on Instagram, but we do have an Instagram, same, same handle. Um, you can find me uh, on Facebook as well, uh, at Writer Brock. That's kind of my professional page, and I have books and movies and things I'm doing too. And so, if you really want to like really overload on me, you can follow that page. Otherwise, I don't recommend it. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, that, that's where you'll find me. Nice man. And Marley, how about you? Oh, and oh. superfogies.com. 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 Yes. Superfogies.com. Uh, well, I can be found on Twitter at Marley Cricket, uh, and that's about it. Yeah, and then to follow us, obviously, Comics for All at all for comics on Twitter and Instagram. Um, on myself, uh, you can hit me up at Big Papa Matt on Twitter as well as Son of Maku on Instagram. So we really want to thank everybody for coming on and checking it out. Once again, thank you to Brock. Always a pleasure having you on, man, and chatting with you. You are always just open invitation. I'm just going to send you links to this. Anytime you want to hop on, man, just feel free to pop in, say, hey, losers, and then get out of here if you want to. It's always <laughs> on you. <laughs> um, you guys are awesome. No, thank you, man. Uh, thank you guys for tuning into the show. Wherever you download this, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share with all your friends and families, and go out and find Super Fogies anywhere near you go to your local comic shop have them order it for you as well and thank you guys so much have a great one and thanks for tuning in